How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. How about you? Listen, this is a great day. I'm a huge fan of your work. Every time I get to talk to you, uh, it's like a great day. Great. Thank you. So um, you won't know this, and this is the only time I'm going to put myself in this interview, but I spoke to you for Togo at before the pandemic. And what you don't know is I had seen the movie downstairs, walked upstairs, and they threw me right in the room. I was ready to burst into tears (laughs) because of the movie. I was holding tears in. And then I'm on camera with you almost immediately. I was convinced I was going to start crying. Nice, nice. For people that have not seen Togo on Disney Plus, it is extremely good, and I recommend it to everyone. Great, thank you for that. Yeah, no, I think uh, people might, I people enjoy it, and I'm happy for that. When did you think that you made it as an actor, where like you could do this as a living and pay your rent? Oh God. Um, those are two different questions. Made it as an actor. I never necessarily thought in those terms, but I'm sure somewhere looking in my mind, there was something similar to that. And uh, I could do it for a living. I mean, when I was younger, I, I started working when I was quite young in a theater company. And it was very modest uh, living, but I was able to do only that. So that had some degree of satisfaction that I thought, oh yeah, I, I can do this. But I never, never thought it would be forever. And I never thought it would uh, go into a, you know, whatever it is, 45 year career. Yeah, what, what I think a lot of people uh, maybe fail to remember is so many people want to be actors and so many maybe get a movie or two or get a TV role or two, but to manage to do the career that you've done is winning the lottery. No, I'm lucky. I'm fortunate for various reasons. Anybody that gets to do this for a while and still enjoys it, uh, and I do so more and more, uh, is lucky. Not to be Pollyanna about it, but it's really true. You've been acting for a number of decades now. Can you maybe talk about what it was like making movies in the 80s versus what it's like to make movies nowadays or how the business has changed over the course of your career? Oh, that's a huge conversation. But I just, I, I think when I first started out, uh, there were, you know, the studios were still very strong and uh, they made movies and they financed movies. That has changed a lot. How movies get financed has changed a lot. Also, there was a rise of, uh, independent cinema, but then eventually that got in, absorbed into the uh, studio system. And then as things got more connected, films became minor players in big corporations. So uh, while the work somehow remains the same, I think the business models, not only, and we don't even get into distribution now, and exhibition uh, has changed a lot. Did you ever think about directing or was it something you were never interested in? I'm never really interested in it because um, I still love performing and somewhere basically I, you know, it's something that holds a lot of uh, mystery and fascination for me still uh, because it's something that you can never arrive at. You can never be accomplished at. It, uh, it's, 
It's always different. It's uh, always a challenge. And somewhere I'm a guy that likes to do things. I don't like to watch things. And to be a director, I think you have to uh, like to watch other people do things. <laughs> yep. I, and also it, it takes, you know, two years sometimes to make a movie. That's true too. I, you know, I like, uh, I like adventure. I like uh, the opportunity uh, to imagine or even experience other ways of living, other ways of thinking and uh, performing and working with different groups of people in different combinations, telling different kinds of stories or in different kinds of worlds, creating different kinds of worlds. All those things are very stimulating for me. And you can do it in a way that's um, both, both craft and personal. Uh, a director, I think, has to be responsible about where things are going and uh, has to take care. I'm very conscientious about you know, uh, collaboration, working in movie, I'm very uh, disciplined, but there's also a part of me that's a little irresponsible because to do what I do, I have to be. I, I totally understand. What's the most time that you spent debating taking on a role? You know, I'm, I'm very fast because um, it's like, I'm the kind of guy that answers emails as they come in because I don't like stuff sitting on my plate, you know? Because I think email's a good example. If you read an email and there's, there's a challenging response, if you don't deal with it right away, think about it more. Maybe you're better about it, but you have to keep on going back to it to read it again, to find it again. It's a little bit like that. When someone proposes something to me out of respect to them, because I, I think it's disgusting how some actors make people wait for a very long time on decisions because I've been on the other end when I'm helping put together a thing and I've seen people hold up productions for months, you know, uh, because they don't want to pull the trigger one way or the other. Um, I'm fast. I, 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 I do due diligence. It's not like uh, I don't check things out, but it doesn't take me very long to decide whether I want to do something or not. I've spoken to a few producers and directors and they've told me sometimes they wait six months for a, like a big name actor to decide if they want to do it. They rewrite the script and then sometimes they say no. And then they've spent six months. I understand. Yeah. I, I understand why that happens, but uh, I don't want to be that guy. And so far, and so far I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you, have you ever turned down a role that still haunts you? Um, yes, but I ain't saying, I mean, not really haunts me, but there's sometimes where I thought, oh, I probably should have done that. But that's kind of ridiculous because it would have been different if I did it. So if something ended up very well, maybe I would have been terrible in that movie. Uh, maybe the movie would have been terrible. Maybe, you know, it's too hypothetical. But I am aware that sometimes I've turned down things that have gone to, uh, you know, have given actors careers or, or, or have been great successes. And 
that's not lost on me. But I, I don't dwell on it because I didn't do it. That's, that's the simple fact. So uh, it's, it's all just, uh, it's all kicking yourself after the fact for something that isn't necessarily uh, able to be proved was a, a negative, a bad choice, you know? One of the things that I admire about your career tremendously is that you've been able to um, do these Hollywood movies, but also these artistic independent movies. And you've managed to, to, to do both so successfully. Was that always a conscious choice through your career that you wanted to walk these different paths? Or, and did you ever have like agents or managers saying, you know, you don't do these movies, like you could do, I don't know, like, did you ever get feedback from people in your life saying, maybe you want to just focus on the Hollywood movies? Oh, no, I really haven't. I've had very good luck with uh, representatives. Um, and I've always mixed it up. It's kind of happened naturally. And I think it was kind of set up by the fact that initially I started out as a downtown, basically avant-garde theater actor. And that was my identity. And then people started asking me to be in movies. And of course I enjoyed that a great deal. And I did, once I made some movies, I started to actively pursue movies. But just kind of naturally, I always came back to the theater and I enjoyed that. I felt like the two different situations, broadly different situations fed each other. So I thought that was important. But at the same time, I'm not a guy, I, I like to work and I think actors need practice and uh, to learn they have to do things. So I've, you know, it's been conditioned a little bit by what was available to me. You know, uh, if I would have had Hollywood at my feet when I was a young actor, who knows what would have happened, you know? But uh, it's kind of been mixed up naturally because I haven't, I think when it comes down to it, I think I evaluate each project. I really try to say, what is this? Am I interested in this? And all the stuff around it, I try not to think about. I've seen too often something that has no pedigree that I have a deep feeling for can all of a sudden become a huge success. And also on the other hand, something that has a huge pedigree and everybody wants to do can end up being a total dud. So you got to go with your instinct and your interests and your attraction to people and situations. And that's what will always keep you, keep you steady, I think. Because you can't, you know, films are so collaborative, you can't control everything. So if they turn out great or they don't turn out so well, you can't absolutely control that. So you better know why you're doing it in the first place. And, and, and I only mention that because I find pleasure in little tiny, you know, guerrilla films that are not meant for a big audience. And I also find pleasure in big tentpole movies that are made for a huge audience. You're working with different tools. You're working with different expectations. But I find pleasure in both of them. I am curious, when was the last time you auditioned for a role? Oh, God. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, there's degrees of audition, but a flat-out audition, 
probably most memorably was Spider-Man. I was making a, I was I was making a movie in Spain, and uh, an English movie that uh, we shot in Spain, and they sent uh, a casting director to film me in my uh, hotel room doing some scenes. That's so interesting that that was the, <laughs> that was the last one. Well, I think I, I you know I got to think. Uh, these aren't things that you try to remember, but <laughs> God knows there's probably roles that I had to fight for or I had to be positioned for, you know, sure. but, but that's not the same as auditioning. That time I was like literally put on tape to convince these people that I was their guy. Where other times, uh, sometimes I haven't been first choice or or there were some considerations and but that all happens behind the scenes and they can always look at uh, a number of films to see you know whether they think uh, I'm their guy or not. I actually did want to ask you because the thing about Spider-Man that you made in I believe 2000 or 2001 was yeah. that was before the Marvel explosion of the superhero genre that was well before superhero movies had taken over the planet. Um, what was it like being part of that wave of those first superhero movies? I enjoyed it a great deal and it was something new and it was kind of risky. And it was also a beautifully personal film for Sam Raimi and also uh, uh, the producers. This was, it seems strange to think of it now, but it was risky. Nobody knew how to do these things. There wasn't, there were other comic book movies, there were other super, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, superhero movies, but uh, this, felt, this felt new. In fact, you know, some people thought, um, were surprised that I wanted to do it, but it, it was a lot of fun to do, and Sam Raimi really, uh, you know, he was sincere. It wasn't cynical. It was a, it was a very, it was a movie that worked very well, both dramatically and comically, and had a, a good heart to it. Yeah, it was also super successful. Yeah. It, was, it was one of those things. And then, you know, they made the second and the third. Um, mm -hmm. I could spend more time talking about those, but I, I, there's so many other things I want to talk about. Believe me, I can okay. talk about that. Um, did you watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, the extended cut, to see all your stuff in it? You know, I... <laughs> you haven't seen it. <laughs> I've been working. No, it's fine. I, I when I'm working, I have a hard time uh, seeing other movies unless they're very unless they're very different than what I'm doing. And also, uh, my uh, my involvement in that was really a cameo. I completely get it. You um, you were part of the first Aquaman movie. Um, are you are you doing anything on the sequel? I know this is a career thing, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> Got it. I won't, I won't press you on that. Um, I am a huge Wes Anderson fan, and uh, French Dispatch is finally coming out. You've worked with him multiple times. What what do you love about working with Wes? Oh well, he's uh, his vision is so specific. Uh, 
and uh, he's so much fun to work with. Uh, he gives you room, but at the same time, he's so precise. So that's a beautiful combination to have, partly because it's no mystery that, of course, he's broadened his troupe, but when he knows people, he, has, he sees them in a certain way, and when he builds things around them, he does it very beautifully, very invested and very artful. So uh, he sets people up incredibly well, and he's lots of fun to work with, and his movies are um, really particular and fun and smart. And... Uh, yeah, I I I love uh, here's an, I, I love being in the room with him. Yeah. Also, the thing I love about Wes is you know you're watching a Wes Anderson. Yeah, it's very very you know he's he's a author cinema in the true sense that uh, Wes Anderson movie is a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, jumping into why I actually get to talk to you with Siberia at this point with Abel, you've worked with him I think now six times. Is it as simple as a text message? Like, hey, what are you doing in July? I might have something. It starts way before that. It's like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? He's, he's always, he's a self-starter. And now we're neighbors in Italy. And uh, that, I, I see his place from my place in the center of Rome. And uh, we're friends and we've, been through a lot together and he's always working so we're always talking about what we could do and he asks me to bring things to him I'm I'm not so much doing that but he'll float things by me and then uh, we'll work from either scenario or start to build a script or start to think about you know uh a property or something, we're, we're always figuring something out. It's a, it's a constant thing. So it's not so much like, hey, what are you doing next July? Are you available? It's, we're, we're in touch all the time. I, I completely get it. One of the things that I like about Siberia and some of the other projects you've done is I firmly believe that cinema, even though it's 100 years old, is still in its infancy as far as the art form. There's so many different things that we can do with it and I think Siberia represents one of those kinds of things where it's, it's, oh, there's a lot of open for interpretation. There's a lot of visuals that you need to connect on your own. Um, can you sort of talk about that aspect of the film and also just cinema in general? I think, well, one of the reasons why I like working with Abel is he has a good cinema sense. He's attracted to what's good about cinema, colors, time, light, events, sound. He's really plugged into that. When we made Siberia, we started, he had a bunch of images of things he wanted to see. And he knew what the basic story was. It was like an odyssey of a guy trying to find peace in his life. And it was a, it was a, a road movie about a guy in search of himself. Um, we, we started with that. And although there were some scripted sections, uh, we worked very much from scenarios and situations. And then we worked to find the specificity of that. Uh, it's not a normal narrative, of course, and it's kind of enigmatic, but I would never call it 
pretentious because it doesn't pretend to be anything other than it is. And that is a dream language, a dream logic. And the only thing that uh, strings it together is that you're with this guy. And hopefully as an actor, you feel like you're going through these experiences. And if you experience them in an open, engaged, sincere way, something happens to you and the audience can be with you in that and they can in some way experience it as well. So it's not about clinging or, or empathizing or, or grabbing onto a narrative and hopping on that train and enjoying the ride. It's really a confrontation with the audience as, as you're with him confronting all of his ghosts, all of his uh, worries, all of his uh, memories, all of those things. I, I, this is a jokey question, but bear with me. Did you have a good enough time with the dogs and the snow in Togo that you're like, Abel, I, I want to do another movie where there's dogs and snow and I'm going to be cold and it's going to look beautiful. <laughs> the crazy part is Abel started talking to me about his ideas for Siberia way before Togo. So it's just a weird coincidence that basically I shot two dog sled movies in a row. What are the odds of that? Crazy. So really, Siberia started first, and then later, I was lucky to do Togo. So by the time Siberia actually got made, I knew a little something about mushing. Now, having said that, the, the dog sled culture of northern Canada, where we did Togo, compared to the dog sled culture of northern Italy in the mountains, is very different. So uh, it felt the same, but very different. There's a scene in Siberia where you are cutting a fish uh, in the snow. You seem very cold. What, what is it like doing something like that um, and being around the dogs? I mean, because it, it's very real what you're doing. This isn't some Hollywood make-believe thing. No, it's, it's, things, it's things I know. I, I grew up in a very cold part of Wisconsin when I was a kid. I was a fisherman when I was a kid. Dogs are a new thing for me. But I must say that just recently, for the first time in my life, I have a pet. What? <laughs> yeah. What, what, what pet did you, what, what do you have? A, a greyhound rescue from the track in Ireland. So he's a beautiful dog. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm learning to be a pet owner. I, that's great. Have you found that uh, it forces you to go on walks every, you know, like you have to do walks. All of a sudden it's a whole different world. Yes, sir. I mean, I'm, I'm new to it. So it's like, I've, I, I, I had a child, so I remember that. And uh, this is my new child. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, uh, I'm just, yeah. I, I, would, I was thinking that if I was around all those dogs filming a movie, it would be very hard for me not to want to take one of the dogs home. They're pretty great. I mean, dogs can be great, but also each dog is very different. And this dog that I have is very particular because he's an athlete. He's a greyhound. I definitely want to talk about uh, uh, your relationship with Robert, uh, making um, Lighthouse, getting to work, getting to work again on Northman. Um, one of the things I love about his work is the fact that he, he really pulls you in and makes you believe he on screen is, you know, there's, it's, it's going for the realism of the moment. Uh, can you sort of talk about uh, working with him and what you love collaborating with him? 
I think he's a great talent and I love working with him so much. And he's such a worker and he's so smart and he's so passionate about history. And he, it's not a, a pretentious egoistic thing, but he, he's really drawn to research and detail. And he's not, he's not, I, I don't know. He's, he's just got a sixth sense. When I saw, when I saw the witch, and I thought, here's a period film, but I, I was entering it. It never pointed to itself and told you when it was or that it was a period film or, you know, I was there, I was there. And I thought, wow, that's some trick to actually make such a um, sort of exotic time-wise and period-wise film, but have me able to enter it so easily. And I felt like he did that again with the lighthouse, you know, I think as, as, you know, stylized in some respects as it was, you know, you, you were there with those guys. And I think that's a real talent to make a period film that doesn't point to itself, doesn't brag about its, uh, doesn't wear its research on its sleeve, but is so well researched that it has deep roots. It has a kind of, truth and a kind of reality and a kind of logic to it that's not showy or, or pretentious. It's, it's all functional. So there's a beauty of, I call it the practicality of the poetry that I love that he has deeply in his soul. So I, I look forward, I haven't seen The Northman yet, but, uh, and I, I don't have as great an involvement. I've got a supporting role in that. But still, I think he's a great talent. I spoke to Anya for Queen's Gambit. And when I oh, brought wow. up and when I brought up Northman, her face just lit up. And she, you know, she talked about how uh, a, there were people working on the film who weren't used to his way of working and the realism. And that, you know, she was just like, this is what we're going to do and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I know you have a smaller role in Northman, but can you, and I know this is a career thing, but can you sort of talk, I mean, can you tease a little bit about what you're excited for people to see. Oh, just, just him working with that same kind of detail, but on a much bigger scale. This is huge, it's muscular, it's radical. Um, it, uh, as I say, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak with great authority, but what I saw when I was shooting it, you know, the sets, the costumes, uh, everything just, I was transported to that world. And as I say, sometimes these kind of spectacular, big period movies, you gotta buy into them. You gotta, you know, you gotta accept certain kind of conventions. But with this, you're there, you're there, you're there. I, I don't know what else to say. No, no, I'm, I cannot wait to see it. I'm also a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it was like a year and a half ago, we were talking about Nightmare Alley um, so long ago. Um, and listen, he is such a gifted filmmaker. Can you talk a little bit about getting to work with him on that project and maybe what surprised you about working? Oh, great. He's a lot of fun. He's very fluid. Uh, you know, hold on to your hat. He works from a very strong script, but also, he wakes up in the morning and if he has an idea, even a radical idea, he'll throw it at you. 
and you ride with it. And that's pretty exciting. And of course, he's, um, listen, I, I really look forward to seeing Nightmare Alley. Uh, the sets were beautiful. It's got very, two very distinct parts. There's the part that takes place largely at the carnival. And then there's another part that takes place when uh, the Bradley Cooper character goes on the road and starts playing nightclubs. So there's two distinct parts. I'm in the carnival part and the world that they created is fantastic. It was just a pleasure to come to the set every day because you entered that world. And also in that carnival world, we had a carnival family of all these great actors, uh, you know, coming together. So I don't know, it, it felt, uh, it felt very loose, but it also felt very muscular. So I like that combination. I saw some footage from it actually at a presentation and I saw some of the carnival footage and it looked like there was a, you built a carnival set. Yeah, we did. We did. You'd go to, you'd go to work at the carnival every day. I am curious, what have you been filming recently? What are you going to be doing this year? If you don't mind saying. I just finished a film uh, called Inside with a Greek filmmaker shot it in Germany. And the thing that's interesting about that is it's basically, I'm the, I'm the only actor. There's one section of fantasy sequence where there are other actors, but basically every day in and out, I, it was me and that crew locked in a house um, shooting this movie. So uh, that we just wrapped. So it's a little premature to talk about, but I've, I've been doing that and uh, the other things that I've been doing lately, I prefer to wait until we're ready for them to come out. I, I understand. I want to go backwards, if you don't mind. Um, there's so many questions I don't, I, I haven't asked you that I wrote down, but you worked for a few months on Heaven's Gate, if I'm not mistaken, and ended up with just a small role in the film. At the time, were you devastated that you weren't a bigger part of the movie or because it wasn't critically a success back then or commercially a success? Were you like, I guess I dodged a bullet? Like, what was your take on that? Listen, when I was there, I had a great time, even though there was great pressure on the production because after about one day of shooting, we were about a week behind because he was inventing so much stuff. And then shortly after executives started to come and there was a tension. But I loved the detail that uh, Chimino was working with. And there were a lot of, great actors and uh it was very exciting because that was like the first uh hollywood movie i was involved in now you don't you you know part of the story after being there for like three months after i was supposed to be there for two weeks because basically when i arrived he said oh no no you you're staying with us we're going to develop these characters these unscripted characters so when in the end, when the people see them die in the final fight, they'll relate to these people. They'll have some feeling for these people. So you're here. And I'm like, yeah, but, but I told the theater I'd be back in two weeks. And he was like, hey, come on, kid. This is going to be a big movie. Be happy. But anyway, I was there for a very long time. Things started to get very tough. People soldiered on. But he was really uncompromising and really fun to work with. Um, 
And then one day we're sitting in, a, this is a well-known story, so I feel like I'm wasting our time a little bit because you can read up on it. But, but we're sitting in a lighting setup. Someone told me a joke and I laughed. And he heard me laugh and he told me to step out. And basically I was on a plane the next day. So given that, I was humiliated by that. I was embarrassed by that. But still, by then, my, my identity was being a downtown theater actor. So it was embarrassing, but didn't destroy me. I just thought, wow, that was, that was a non-start of a career, you know, in film. Um, so when it came out and it was not a success, no, I don't gloat. Um, you know, he... He was a good filmmaker and I understand what happened. It, it got a runaway budget and no, somebody, they couldn't say no to him. And then they got all confused by the pressure. But, and, and the merits of the film are debatable, but I didn't gloat. I, I, I felt bad that uh, it didn't, uh, you know, reach its audience, at least in the States. Did you ever see the, the, the two hour and 19 minute version or even his original cut that was a 300 something minutes or um, did you, have you not seen those versions? I remember going to like the premiere at the Ziegfeld and I don't know what version that was. I think it was somewhere in the middle of those things that you say. I remember people joking saying, you know, the prints were still wet when they were coming into the projection booth, but I, I that's a long time ago. And uh, it's not one of my uh, central memories. <laughs> <laughs> sure. If you don't mind, I just want to ask you one other thing. I'm a big fan of Existence, the David Cronenberg yep. movie. Yep. David Cronenberg's to... great. Yeah. Yeah. Another fantastic. Listen, I'm. You're, you've worked with such gift. I haven't even talked about Scorsese or the list goes on and on and on. But Existence is just one of my. I, I really dig that movie. Can you okay. share what it was like working with David on that? Oh, beautiful. Uh, you know, it, it was one of the best run sets I've ever been on. Very, um, very productive, very fun, very uh, together, very clear. Just, he's a joy, he's a decent guy and he's so much fun and the, a great cast. Uh, I remember Jennifer Jason Lee was, was beautiful in it. She was great. And I always remember that I, she taught me one thing. She reads the script over and over and over again. And sometimes I've done that as well, just to make it your own, you know, make it your own history, know it inside out. Uh, anyway, uh, that was definitely, uh, I wasn't one of the principal actors in that, but I enjoyed it so much. And uh, it, it is an interesting movie. A lot, lot of great actors in it too. Uh, I could keep talking, but I'm just gonna stop and say- Another you. time, another time, thank you. I really do appreciate you doing this sincerely. Sure. Okay, cool. Cool. Have a great day. All right. Yeah, you too.